everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we're going to be asking a question, and the question is, can we really live an unlimited life? Sometimes limits are good things, but what happens when limits are placed on us that are not from God or for our benefit? So uh, if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we, we release this on a Tuesday morning so that we can journey with this thought perhaps during the week or, or however you want to uh, use it. And so we're going to be spending the next 10, 15 minutes together just unpacking a concept that's going to help us reflect Jesus more, understand him a bit more perhaps, and, and just grow in intimacy with him. And so perhaps you need to grab a cup of coffee or tea, or if you're watching this or listening to this in your car, I hope that this makes your journey that much more enjoyable. Um, and so again, we are talking about living unlimited. Subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you are on, uh, and let's dive into today's session. About 1800 years after the life of Jesus, the world went through one of the great shifts where people and infrastructure and the way we saw the world shifted so dramatically that we as a human race could never go back to the way we were before. In, in, the, in the 1800s, we went through what we came to call the Industrial Revolution. And it was a time when people created machines and factories began to dominate city skylines. People began to earn more money than they had ever earned and new jobs that people had never dreamed of began to become available. It was a time when some people tried to hold on to the past, but when the vast majority of people saw a new world opening in front of their eyes, they grabbed hold of it. People were using steam and engines to do things that the generation before had never dreamed of. The problem with this was that science had to keep up and stay one step ahead to keep the innovation coming. The scientists of the day wanted to keep the progress going and help people, but there were some fundamental questions that they didn't have the answers to. And many of these questions revolved around heat and energy because much of what was happening was driven by these massive steam engines. So scientists of the day in the 1800s were driven by the energy problem. And so they started, as all scientists do, doing experiments, observing what was happening, and tried to explain what was going on. And in about 1870, two people came up with what we know of as the first law of thermodynamics, or uh, what sometimes gets called the conservation of energy. Now, don't worry, this is going to have uh, a spiritual dynamic, and I'm not just giving you a science and history lesson. But here's what they said. Essentially, what they said was that energy in our universe across the entire universe, cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed from one state or form to another. For instance, when we turn on a light bulb, the energy doesn't come out of nowhere. We don't create it. When we hit the switch, uh, what is transferred is energy that comes from chemical energy, potential energy, to light energy and electric energy. The, the energy transforms its nature. It doesn't originate when we hit that switch. There's been a process from where it has changed all of its states. Scientists believe that they had cracked the code. They had watched and seen that energy never gets lost or destroyed. It only ever gets transferred from one form to another. And so they came up with this law, the law of thermodynamics. They came to this conclusion on one foundation, and that is that we live in a closed system. We live within the boundaries of a circle, if you want to think of it like that, without any input or output. Nothing can get in that circle. Nothing can get out of that circle. In other words, there is no external source from which energy can come from. There is no place energy can escape to. And they did experiment after experiment. And eventually this became a law that much of our modern science 
is based on. They said our universe, although it is expanding, is essentially a closed system without any entrance or exit. We live inside a closed system. That was their statement. And this made sense when it came to the ideas of energy. It was neat, and it explained what we saw when we looked at heat and light and movement. The thing is, though, that we took this idea, humanity took this idea, and we allowed it to seep into other areas of life as well. Because the idea of a closed system was neat and tidy, we took it and we allowed it to become the way we looked at everything. And I wish I could say that this is just a, a societal thing, but it has filtered right down to the way you and I see the world as well. I also wish that I could say we have snapped out of it because of social media, modern technology, and that we've changed. But unfortunately, we still, many of us, whether we realize it or not, have been shaped by this idea of a closed system. We live in an inherited worldview that says to us, our world is closed. There are, nothing can leave and nothing can get in. How can I tell? How can I tell that this forms a major part of our worldview? Well, look at how we view economics. We often talk about market share or getting our piece of the pie because we see the market as a closed system. And so what we do is we have to fight for our piece of it. And when we want more, we have to take from someone else. And if we have lost some of it, it's because someone else has taken it from us. And we call those people our competitors. In a closed system, everyone is either a partner or a competitor. We live in a country where one of the things that threatens to tear us apart is this thing called xenophobia. Uh, in South Africa, we really struggle with the idea that people from other nations are coming to take the jobs from ourselves. And, and, and somehow we've bought into the lie that if people from other nations come into our nations with the hope of a better future, it means we lose out on a better future. We've bought into a lie that there is a limited amount of better futures available in this country because we live in a closed system. Now, with that as the foundation, understanding that hey, it's creeped into economics and society, that this idea of a closed system is so pervasive, uh, I want to unpack uh, a passage because I don't think that God is calling us to live with a closed system way of thinking. Uh, when we see Jesus, we see him bringing something brand new into our world. We see him um, bringing something incredibly transformational into our world. And so I want to read to you the, the, the famous story of the wedding at Cana. John 2 verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman. What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. If I had ever spoken to my mother that way, I would not be here to do this podcast. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. Now, what I always love about this story is what it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us why the wine ran out. Was there that one dodgy uncle that always drank way too much or or did the family commit the ultimate sin and undercater for the party? We don't know. 
But we do know that at some point, Mary, the mother of Jesus, gets the message that there is no more wine. You have to believe that the master of the wedding also had received the same message. But the master of the wedding didn't know Jesus the way Mary knew Jesus. You see, for the master of the wedding, he was looking at it like a closed system. He knew how much wine was there. He even knew what kind of wine was there. This is the way of seeing things that would have led him to make certain decisions and assumptions and would have caused him to act in a certain way. And so when the Jews break the news that there's no wine, we don't see him trying to approach Jesus because in his mind, there is no more wine. He'd heard the news. He'd heard the voices. The wine was gone. And because he saw a closed system, he gave up. When we see things as closed systems and the very thing we need to keep going has run out, what other option do we have but to give up to run away? When your marriage has run out of affection, when there's no more chance of a promotion in your occupation, when you lose your source of income and your bank balance has more zeros than you would want, what do we do if we live in a closed system and the very thing we need has run out? Let me ask you the question, what, what voices are telling you that the wine is gone? Are there voices in your world that are telling you there is no more of what you need? Perhaps you're listening to the voices of fear or, or perhaps past experience or even society. Now, if Jesus is not at the wedding, I get that perspective. If there's no Jesus in your life, absolutely, a closed system is how you're going to navigate the world. But he was there. And he is here with us right now if we would acknowledge him in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And that promise is, is personified in the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, is that Jesus is never more than a, a call away. Mary knew something that the master of the wedding didn't know. Mary knew that there was someone at the wedding that wasn't limited at all by the constraints of this world. So she took the news of no more wine straight to Jesus. And this has to be one of my best moments in scripture. She says to Jesus, they have no more wine. And he says, woman, what, 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 what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I don't know about you, but even in the original Greek, that would have earned me a whooping. But anyway, Mary doesn't even respond to Jesus. She simply tells the people around her to do whatever Jesus says. I love that faith. Sometimes we pray prayers and it seems like Jesus is quiet or it seems like we get a response from heaven that doesn't make sense. Mary decided that when she didn't understand Jesus' response, her reaction would be one of obedient faith. Let me encourage you today that, that when we don't understand Jesus, and there are going to be lots of those moments, believe me, the best way to respond is with a posture and spirit of obedient faith. We know the rest of the story. They get six stone water jars. They fill them with water and take to the master of the wedding. He tastes it, and it says, this is the best wine I've ever tasted. The very guy who had given up because he saw the world as a closed system was now sipping from the best wine he had ever tasted because Mary went to an unlimited Jesus. You see, everyone around you, everyone in your circle of friends and family can look at the world a certain way and think they live in a closed system. But when, like Mary, you have met Jesus and encountered Jesus and walked with him, you know there is now no system he can't change. There is no boundary he cannot reach across and shake things up. Jesus can take the water in the system and turn it into wine. God can take a stone in a desert and make it the source of water for over a million people. God can make a raging river the passageway for a nomadic people to enter into a promised land. Jesus can take two fish and some loaves, make it a meal for thousands. Jesus can take two pieces of wood and a few nails and make them the tools of all of mankind's salvation. Jesus can take a handful of men and women and make the agents of change 
that would impact the world for thousands and thousands of years. Jesus even reached across the boundary of death. And as he reached across that boundary, he brought life for each and every single one of us. And so as we close off this idea, where have you allowed yourself to believe in a closed system? Where have you bought the lie that this is all there is ever going to be? There is no more opportunity. There is no more finance. There is no more affection. There is no more joy. There is no more hope. I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, I see Jesus as the source of all those things. And if he is the one who, through whom all of creation has its being, then, then, then believing a closed system doesn't make sense. Yes, it is a scientific law, and, and that governs much of what we do, but I don't think I have to submit myself to that being the case in economics, or that being the case in my marriage, or that being the case in my career. I don't have to allow a law of science to become the way I see every part of my life. Why? Because Jesus is here. Just as he was at the wedding, he is here with you, and he is here with me. He's at the table that you're sitting at right now. He's in the car you're driving right now. He is wherever you are, and because of his presence there, we do not have to submit ourselves to the idea that we are limited. And so here's the thing. Can we live an unlimited life? Yes, but only in the presence of Jesus. Truly living an unlimited life means living out of the overflow of being connected to Jesus. So right now, I pray for every single person listening to this, that, that we would all experience a wedding at Cana kind of moment where we think that the very thing we need has run out and God does a supernatural work. Jesus does a, does a miraculous thing again, and, and we see wine come from the most unlikely source. We see provision, we see healing, we see affection, and I pray that each of us would pray and step out in some big prayers and say, God, if you could do it at a wedding, might you do it in my company? If you could do it at a wedding, could you do it in my marriage? If you could do it at a wedding, could you do it to my bank accounts? God, would you provide, would you be a source outside of my system? Bring in what I could not possibly bring in. God, I pray for each and every single person that we wouldn't just see the world as competitors, everyone else in our world as competitors, but we would see you as the one who can be the originator, the author of the very thing we need. Pray this in Jesus' name. Well, I hope that's encouraged you and inspired you to live unlimited during the rest of this week. I hope it's an amazing week and we will see you next time on Coffee with Jesus. Jesus.